0: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Jessica Donnell.
1: Hello, Texas, and thank you for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Jessica Domel, and I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. We're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: Texas High Plains feed yards are still having a hard time achieving profitability, but there is some reason for optimism. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: West Texas cotton in the Concho Valley is in various growth stages as farmers have optimism for this year's crop. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
4: The heavy rains that fell across the coastal bend last week were not good for sorghum farmers. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area.
1: We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. First up, we have an update from Northeast Texas. Wet weather over the past few months has helped hay producers in that area. It's also kept some of them out of the fields on occasion. Jessica Humphrey, Lamar County Extension agent, says they've got a great hay crop
5: this year. People are not going to have a shortage, or they shouldn't, if they've managed their hay meadows properly. I know ryegrass is a very common first hay cutting for our area just because we have a very good sand of it. And we have some producers that do silage, you know, bale haylage and silage and stuff like that. But they try to get that first cutting be mainly ryegrass. And I know several people didn't get their ryegrass cutting just because it was so wet. They couldn't cut it down and bale it in time before the seed just it died and And it wasn't any good anymore. After that, man, the grass is growing like crazy in Lamar County. So it's doing really well.
1: Custom hay balers and farmers have been hard at work over the past month cutting and baling hay to keep up. Armyworms have been spotted in the area, threatening the Bermuda grass
5: and other quality hay. They go in and they eat the leaf of the plant. And so they are basically eating what you're wanting to cut down and bale up. So when an armyworm comes, you know, a big bunch of armyworms come through and they hit your Bermuda grass hay meta, you'll have just a bunch of brown stems everywhere. There won't be a green leaf left. If you have a big enough armyworm infestation come through and hit you hard, then yes, it'll, it'll take out your entire hay meadow if, if you don't catch them in time.
1: Again, that was Jessica Humphrey, Lamar County Extension agent. Feed yards in the Texas Panhandle are still struggling due to higher feed costs. James Hunt has an update for us from Amarillo.
2: Ross Wilson, the president and CEO of TCFA, the Texas Cattle Feeders Association, says feed yards continue to have a hard time making money on fed cattle sales. Losses
6: are in the ballpark and averages are dangerous, as you know, but in the ballpark of a $100 a head loss today, there's been some recovery in fed cattle prices over the course of the last few weeks. So we've traded some cattle recently in the $1.20, $1.21 range, but given the significant increase in corn prices, and other factors were still in the red.
2: While there are other factors involved, as Wilson said, there's no question the sudden escalation of feed cost is where the big jolt has come from.
6: If you look back over a year, January of 2021 to June of 2021, we've seen corn prices go up roughly 25%. If you go back a year, June of 2020 and June of 2021, corn prices are up nearly 90%.
2: Things may be getting a little brighter, however. What happens with the weather and grain exports could send things back the other way, but cattle feeders have gotten some encouragement from a recent softening of corn prices. And Wilson says another helpful dynamic is the tightening of cattle supplies.
6: Now, what I don't have a good feel of today is, you know, how has the drought shifted some of these placements and what that situation is. But I think people going into the fall and winter 2021 and 2022, are optimistic on prices. I think the futures market is projecting that somewhat as well.
2: More discussion of feed yard economics in tomorrow's report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Well, we've had reports today from Northeast Texas and from the Panhandle. Let's head on over to the Concho Valley and see how their cotton is doing this time of year. Tom Nicoletti joins us with more.
3: My guest today from San Angelo is Gerald Holland. He is a field sales representative with Bearer Crop Science. And uh, Gerald, uh, cotton farmers in uh, that region of the state uh, started planting uh, their cotton in mid-May. They completed about the end of June. And here we are in the latter part of July. Uh, What's uh, the cotton progress look like at this point?
7: Well, the crop is progressing real well at the time. We're we're a little bit behind normal, I guess, due to that later planting. But with the sunshine we've been receiving lately, it's, it's really taken off.
3: Now, the Texas drought monitor is uh, certainly uh, been uh, kind to uh, farmers across Texas and including uh, your region in the Concho Valley as uh, uh, you folks have uh, received ample rainfall to uh, get that uh, crop off to a good start
7: have we, we were very dry going into the season to begin with since through the winter we did not receive a lot of rainfall so the rain started coming about the time we started planting and it made it a little bit difficult to get the crop in at times because the storms were interrupting our planting activities but the growers managed to work through it and, and get the crop planted.
3: So if you drive down the highways uh, in that region uh, what uh, stages do you see the, uh, the cotton growth at this point?
7: You'll see Cotton in dry land, irrigated both anywhere from uh, knee high down to ankle high, depending on when we're able to get it in, in between uh, the rain periods that we've had. There doesn't appear to be a lot of of disease pressure right now. We did have some seedling disease at planting because we were having that moisture in the cooler temperatures that were coming with those rains, so there was a little bit of seedling disease and a little bit of replanting due to the the rains washing some cotton out and drowning cotton. But... uh, for the most part, it's very healthy and, and growing.
3: And uh, any uh, issues with weeds?
7: Yes, sir. Weeds are an issue this year, and they've taken off uh, very healthily as well, and growers are on top of that now spraying fields and, and getting those uh, getting those weeds under control. We'll harvest depending on how the fall goes. We could start as early as late October and all the way until Christmas. We're the last area to plant in the Cotton Belt in the United States, so we could be a little bit later than most. I think we've got a lot of potential. We've had several years that were just very dry and very disappointing for our our growers. And and this year, there's a lot of optimism with those rains that have come. Folks are really being active with their crop and managing them well with optimism that we've got the potential to make a really good crop.
3: That is Gerald Holland. He is a field sales representative with Bear Crop Science from San Angelo. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Thank you, Tom. Now let's head from St. Angelo on down to the coastal bend of Texas. Harvey Buring joins us with more. Well, heavy
4: rains at harvest time are never good for farmers, and that's certainly the case for the lower coastal bend grain sorghum producers. That area of the state uh, produces some of the largest amounts of grain sorghum anywhere in the United States. Nueces and San Patricia County jointly produce over 300,000 acres of grain sorghum each year. And when you combine the production from the adjacent five counties, the coastal bend area will typically grow between 450 and 475,000 pounds of sorghum each year. And 2021 had the best price offerings in history for grain sorghum and production. Was up, acres were higher than normal, and July is the month for harvest of grain sorghum here in the coastal bend. The first week of July generally marks the peak of sorghum harvest, but this year mother nature had its own plans, dumping anywhere between six to twelve inches across the area during a five day period. That certainly was to the detriment of the crop. Unlike corn that has a protective shuck cover over the grain kernels, sorghum produces its kernels on top of the stalk and they remain exposed to the weather throughout its life cycle. If you get four to five days of rain, That can cause these mature kernels to begin to sprout, and grain quality is then damaged, and the market value is lower. So in addition to trying to get a crop out with wet fields, our sorghum producers here in the coastal bend may be facing some serious yield reductions. Some field surveys indicate that there could be as much as 20 to 30 percent harvest loss in these fields. Hopefully, weather conditions will improve and that producers will be able to get the crop harvested and salvaged without too much reduction in
1: price discount
4: and yield. This is Harvey Beering reporting from the Coastal Bend area for Texas Ag Today.
1: An invasive fish that just may jump into your boat and could injure you has been found in Texas. I'll have that story coming up next. And high temperatures and high humidity have caused an increase in fly populations. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: There's an increase in the fly populations this time of year, and they're bothering cattle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd joins us with more.
8: Although we had a cool late spring that decreased the number of flies, there are large numbers of flies now. Dr. Justin Talley with Oklahoma State Extension indicates that the horn fly is the most significant external parasite of cattle causing an estimated $1.8 billion impact on the cattle industry. And that's billion with a B. Although horn flies are small and feed from the back down the side and onto the belly of cattle, the sheer numbers are the cause of the stress. Over the last month, lots of cattle have been observed with over 400 flies per animal, and this is double the usual threshold of 200 flies per animal. And since each individual horn fly feeds 25 times per day, that's a lot of stress. Calves are also stressed as flies transfer to the calves and lots of calves are having over 150 flies per animal. This number of flies impacts weaning weight due to decreased milk production and decreased nursing. Stable flies are mostly a problem March to May, but this year, due to the cooler temperatures earlier in the year, stable flies are still present. Stable flies feed on the front legs and belly of the animals and their bite is painful. Stable flies usually breed in old hay feeding areas, and cattle should not have more than 10 stable flies on their front legs. Treatment of stable flies involves cleaning up the hay feeding areas and spraying the legs, brisket, and belly of the animal with diesel oil as the carrier. Horn flies are usually controlled with poron products, but fly ear tags can also be effective. Feed-through insect growth regulators are also helpful, as are oilers, with a system to force the cattle through the area. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Thank you, Dr. Judd. We are certainly seeing more flies this time of year. And it's not often that I string these words together, but today's wildlife show focuses on an invasive, jumping fish. It is called a silver carp. They can jump up to 10 feet out of the water and potentially injure boaters, and they've been found in Texas for the first time ever. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, a silver carp was spotted by a bow angler in Choctaw Creek in late June. Choctaw Creek is a tributary of Red River about 15 miles downstream of Lake Texoma. It is the first time an invasive silver carp has been found in Texas. The silver carp pose a threat to the Lake Texoma ecosystem and to boaters. The fish are filter feeders and have the potential to cause significant changes in the native fish population as they compete for food sources. And as I mentioned, they can jump up to 10 feet out of the water and potentially injure people. Monica McGarrity, TPWD's Senior Scientist for Aquatic Invasive Species, says the fish jump up when they're startled by the sounds of watercraft, often jumping in into boats. When present in large numbers, jumping silver carp can be a significant hazard. Young silver and big head carp look similar to shad, but they can be identified by their low-set eyes. Silver carp, of course, have silver bodies, and they have a ridge that runs the length of the belly from the anal fin all the way to the throat. To prevent the spread of silver carp and big head carp, it is illegal to transport any live, non-game fish from Lake Texoma and the Red River. If you catch a silver or a bighead carp in texas waters report the sighting with location information and photos to aquatic invasives at tpwd.texas.gov that's aquatic invasives at tpwd.texas.gov after trading lower for much of the day monday cotton rebounded tuesday we also saw higher corn prices We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
2: Healthy soil is essential to ensure food security and produce more food with less land. Today, farmers are combating erosion and compaction while restoring soil fertility and capturing carbon more than ever. Learn how at the virtual Soil and Water Conservation Society Conference, July 26th through 28th by visiting swcs.org. This message is from Syngenta, urging you to explore one world connected through conservation.
0: We're giving you the market information you need. On Texas Ag Today.
1: After closing Monday mostly higher, we saw declines in the live cattle and feeder cattle markets on Tuesday. Part of that is due to the Packers sitting on ample supplies. And part of that is due to a rally in the corn market Tuesday. August live cattle down forty seven cents to one hundred nineteen seventy seven. October live cattle down forty cents to one hundred twenty four seventy. December live cattle down seventy cents to one hundred thirty forty two. August feeder cattle down a dollar eighty five to one hundred fifty five fifty two. September feeder cattle down a dollar twenty seven to one hundred fifty seven seventy seven. October feeder cattle down a dollar seven to one hundred fifty nine nine seventy seven Box beef was mixed for most of the day tuesday choice down a dollar forty three to two hundred and sixty five dollars and six cents select up two cents to two forty nine fifty one now let's check those livestock auctions we're walking the pens with larry marble when you hear cattle beller you know we had a sale in uvalde had it on thursday klein and
6: justin spear klein's on the line klein how'd the sale go
9: he had 527 head today that really had a steady active market today i feel like that overall the guys are pretty hot on these calves right now if they can get them in their work and condition a little bit the Packer cows and bulls were steady with last week calves and Airlines i' would call them steady, to a couple dollars better on those conditioned calves like they were last week the number one choice steers were a dollar 35 to a dollar 60 lightweights were a dollar 65 to a dollar ninety number one choice heifers dollar five to a dollar 35 lightweights were a dollar 35 to a. 55 Crossbred steers dollar 25 to a dollar 55. Lightweights were $1.50 to $1. seventy-five Crossbred heifers dollar to $1. fifteen Lightweights were $1. twenty-five to $1. forty-five Stocker cows still hanging around that 70 to 95. Packer bulls were 85 to 98. The breaker cows were 66 to 75. The cutters and canners were 56 to 74. And the shelly cows were 38 to 48. Good cow-calf pairs only had a handful, 1,100 to 1,200 today. The planer pairs were 8 to 950. And the Red cows were 7 to 9.50. Didn't have a whole lot of them this week either. It's kind of... Getting to the cooler type cows coming in, not a whole lot of replacement cows, but definitely a good market if somebody's trying to get rid of a few right now.
6: What do you know for next week? Tuesday, we'll have sheep and
9: goat sale. We'll probably have around that 7-800 head range. And Cattle sale next Thursday. we got a couple deals in the works. We'll know a little bit more about them next week, but uh, if those all kind of come through, we'll probably be up there around that 7-800 head range next week.
3: Glenn,
6: tell everybody how to contact you. Give
9: us a call to office, 830-278-5621, or my cell phone, 830-591-3241.
6: We appreciate you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Larry. For walking the pins, I'm your host, Larry Marble. See you tomorrow
1: lean hogs rallied tuesday after new reports of african swine fever in other countries august lean hogs at 52 cents to 105 even october lean hogs up a dollar 65 to 91.02 most class 3 milk prices fell on tuesday the only contract that showed a gain is for may of 2022 july class 3 milk was down three cents to 16.66 100 weight august Class three milk down 39 cents to 1628 100 weight. If you remember Monday, we saw some pretty big losses in the cotton futures. Those were higher Tuesday due to recovery in the financial markets. If you'll remember on Monday, the financial markets fell quite a bit due to concerns with new outbreaks of COVID, particularly with the Delta variant. We saw a bit of renewed optimism in the financial markets on Tuesday, and that helped lift the optimism for cotton. October cotton up 176 points, Tuesday to 88.87. December cotton up 180 points to 88.51. By the way, the new U.S. Department of Agriculture cotton report is out. 60% of the national cotton crop is rated good to excellent. That is up 4% from last week. Corn was higher Tuesday on lower than expected weekly crop ratings, mainly due to drought in the Midwest. September corn up 15 and three quarters to 571 and three quarters. December corn up 13 and a half to 565 and three quarters. September hard red wheat up eight to 660 and a quarter. December hard red wheat up eight and a quarter to 671 and a quarter. After posting double digit losses Monday, soybeans recovered quite a bit on Tuesday. November soybeans, up 15 and 3 quarters to 13.88 and a half that dip on Monday was likely due to falling crude oil prices. Crude oil prices recovered a bit Tuesday, and that helped provide a little bit of a bump to our soybean prices. August natural gas up 9 cents to 387. September natural gas up 9 cents to 384. Crude oil prices Tuesday were higher after $4 a barrel losses on Monday. August crude oil up 90 cents to 67.32. September crude oil up $1.7 to $67.42 to a barrel. Let's check those financial markets, which did rebound quite a bit on renewed optimism. The Dow up 601 points to 34,563. The S&P 500 up 73 to 4,331. The NASDAQ up 263 points to 14,538. Hey, that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel and I hope to see you then.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.